welcome to CCBJ Perspectives podcast, providing access to leaders and influencers within the ever-evolving ecosystem of lawyers and legal professionals. We're very pleased to welcome our guest today, Laura Abramson, who's a neutral with JAMS. Laura finds herself with JAMS with robust ADR experience under her belt. Her illustrious legal career involves private practice and in-house senior leadership roles at Fortune 500 companies. She brings a unique and well-rounded and pragmatic perspective to her ADR practice, as well as deep national and international experience in the engineering, construction, oil and gas, and chemical industries. Laura, thank you for joining us. It is a pleasure to have you with us today. We really appreciate you taking the time. It's a pleasure to be with you. So just to start us off, can you just share with us what led you to your current role with JAMS? You know, over um, the last 15 years, an increasing part of my practice um, is heading up the litigation globally for first Axie and then AECOM has involved ADR. And so, of course, I was familiar with GMs because of the prominent role GMs plays in, in, in ADR here in California, but also across the nation and um, uh, increasingly internationally as well. So in the last five years, you know, Ken Gibbs at, at GMs is you know, really the, the go-to construction mediator for a lot of the, the companies and the firms we, we were involved with. And I also had the opportunity um, in the last several years to serve as an arbitrator. I was appointed to the Court of Arbitration for Sport about five years ago. And I sat on some USADA cases in the last few years with Jeff Benz, who's another neutral at GMs, and was so impressed with them. And realized through that experience how much I loved being an arbitrator. So I decided I, I had long thought that I would want to make the switch to being a neutral to help parties resolve their disputes fairly and efficiently. And this summer with, with everything happening with the pandemic seemed to be the right time to make the switch. So tell us a little bit about how your in-house roles have influenced your approach to ADR. So both at, at Oxy and at AECOM, I headed up a, a corporate litigation group. And the mission of that group was to minimize the overall cost of litigation and claims against the companies. So you can't look at just the outside counsel fees and costs of litigation, but also the result and, and looking at how to keep the entire amount, whether it's settlements or judgments you pay out, as well as outside counsel fees, as low as possible. And conversely, when you're a claimant, to maximize your recovery. So the issues of cost, of efficiency, and of speed really become quite critical from the in-house business perspective. And because of that, Companies, including Oxy and AECOM, have increasingly turned to ADR because you can craft an ADR process in your contract clauses that will lead you to a speedier, more efficient, less costly resolution. So when I approach ADR and I'm giving advice to clients on what ADR clauses to pick, the first thing you need to think about is what are the goals of that business group? What are the types of disputes they're likely to have? And unlike court where, you know, there's 
one process and the parties don't have the ability to change it. They can't speed things up. They can't, for example, get a guaranteed result in 90 days or six months or even a year. ADR gives you that ability to do that. If you write in an ADR clause, we're going to go to a jams arbitration, single arbitrator, and the hearing needs to happen within four months. That's how it will be structured because it's the party's agreement that controls. So in a mediation, for another example, the parties have the ability to come up with creative and alternate sources of ways to resolve their disputes, additional projects they'll do together, other types of considerations that are not monetary damages. And whereas clearly only have one ability, there's a winner and a loser and it's money damages. So ADR gives companies the ability to, to come up with more creative solutions that can lead to a win-win solution. Um, and it also provides them with the ability to control their costs to get a faster outcome and a more efficient result. So in approaching my ADR practice, I bring that to bear. I understand the financial, political, and other pressures that business people, senior executives are facing, and therefore what their goals are in um, getting a resolution. And I think I can bring that experience of the in-house business experience coupled with the extensive amount of ADR mediation arbitrations I've participated in over the years to help them get that efficient, fast, pragmatic resolution. So I love that you talk about the business part of this, and I know the business part of it is such an important part of an in-house practitioner, right? Because you're an executive before you're a lawyer. Exactly. So maybe if you want to talk a little about your perspective on that, it's something that we've embraced over the years as we've rebranded and as we've reconsidered the content that we're providing to our audience. I mean, I do think that that's a critical part of being in-house is recognizing that you're not the office of no. I think as an in-house lawyer, your, your overall goal has got to be to figure out a way to help them get to yes. And you need to, first of all, understand what the business objectives are, what are the pressures they're facing. Oftentimes, it can involve timing. For some business lines, getting a problem resolved in one quarter versus letting it drag out to the next quarter or the next fiscal year can make a difference. And they may be very willing to trade money or some other considerations for getting that result faster and in the, in the timing they want because they may need to get this issue resolved to move forward with another part of their business plan. So the understanding what factors are influencing whether a resolution is successful or not from a business perspective is critical. And it's not just about the money. Absolutely. So Laura, can you talk a little bit about what you're hoping to achieve within your new role with JAMS? Well, I think that for me, I would like to help parties get to a pragmatic, fair, efficient resolution of their disputes and to be able to deploy my understanding of the financial 
political and other um, considerations that may be coming into play to help them achieve their objectives. So whether as a mediator in, in, in being able to understand more readily those concerns and, and use it to come up with more creative ways of, of resolving disputes, looking at some non-monetary considerations that, that I, I know uh, factor into the business people's interest um, and identifying what those interests are. Or from an arbitration perspective, understanding the factors that go into scheduling, helping them really come up with a, a schedule and a process that's going to get them what they need in terms of efficiency, transparency, and cost. In my dealings with many executives, there seems to be a perspective that ADR is really a compromise right? Like it's not necessarily when it's more like split the difference in many situations. And, and to be honest, many of the people that I've dealt with haven't worked with a lot of dispute resolution because they're dealing with just straight up litigation that's either going to settle or go to court. Can you talk a bit about how in-house counsel should really be thinking about their use of ADR as a solution? Sure. So I think the common misperception for people who haven't engaged in a lot of ADR to, to think of it as sort of one process that is a compromise rather than, than litigation getting to an outcome where, where, where somebody could, could win an issue. And certainly, if you look at mediation, which is facilitated settlement negotiations, mediation does tend to lend at the end of the day to the parties agreeing if they're, if they're going to settle on some compromise because you know rarely is it the case where a parties will agree to settle without getting something that they want in return or the bargain that they're making with the other side. So mediation is the area obviously where there's there's the most overlay of that compromise. But even with mediation, you know, if, if you go to court and, and litigate a matter again, it's going to take years often. It's going to cost a lot of money, um, both for your attorney's fees but also for expert fees. And you don't control the outcome. The, the fate of your dispute is going to rest in the hands of either a judge who, who has an awful lot on his or her plate and or a jury who will not know the case as well as the parties, will not be as interested in the resolution, and has no creative ability to, to fashion anything that helps satisfy the interests, at least partially, of both parties. By contrast, in a mediation, the parties can come up with, and the mediator can help them come up with, identifying what interests are most important to each of them. Is there a way to fashion something that will, if not make them both happy, at least make them satisfy some of each of their interests in a way that the dragging it on and taking management time and resources, as well as the costs of, of the litigation, can't do. And I think one aspect that, that business people don't fully appreciate is the drain on company resources in terms of the management time and effort that going through a major litigation is. I mean, we had a, a case that, that couldn't be settled that unfortunately that didn't have ADR in the, in the dispute resolution clause that went to a three-month jury trial last year. And the amount of management time and energy that that, that sucked up and took away from some other more profitable 
uses of that, of our business people's time was, was incredible. So ADR has the ability, you know, even in mediation where it's more about compromise to really help further business objectives in a way that the litigation just can't and free up the, the resources of your business people. But even turning to the issue of arbitration, you know, the, the notion that the arbitrator is going to split the baby is really not in my experience over the last 25 years of how, how arbitration really works. I think neutrals are, are looking hard to help the parties with whatever framework they've agreed on in terms of discovery and, and evidence and experts, but they're seriously, thoughtfully reviewing the party's submissions, the evidence, and coming up with what they believe is the right result on each individual issue. I think you can get the same type of win as a party in an arbitration that you can in court, and I think that you can do it in a faster more cost-effective and efficient way. I'd like to just address the idea of how ADR can help facilitate more fair outcomes. And I think the lens, when I wrote that question, the lens that I had was that the judiciary, they don't always have the technical expertise or industry expertise that neutrals have. And if we can address that, I think that would be great for our audience. Absolutely. I th think you're absolutely right. In terms of getting to a fair outcome, ADR has some significant advantages. As I've mentioned, cost, speed, and efficiency are all very important in getting to a fair outcome because a, a resolution of your dispute, which takes three years to get to, or costs hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars, is not going to be you know, as fair as getting the same outcome in six months and a quarter of the amount of money to get there. Particularly in our American system, if you're delayed in getting your result and you are having to spend a lot more money to get it, that impacts the fairness of your outcome. But as you've identified, the other big advantage of ADR is parties can, when, when they're, if they've got a construction contract, they can specify in a clause that the arbitrator or arbitrators, if you have a panel of three, need to have construction experience. And when you have arbitrators with the specific industry experience, oil and gas, accounting, construction, whatever the, your dispute is, they're going to be able to listen to the evidence, listen to the experts, if there's expert testimony, evaluate the documents and get to a better, more appropriate, fairer resolution than, than a judge who doesn't know anything about that area, and, and much more so than a jury, who is much less likely to understand the nuances of the evidence and the testimony. So Laura, is there anything else that our audience should know about working with neutrals or ADR in general? That's a couple of, of things that I think would be helpful for people who may not have much experience with ADR to realize is that when you turn your disputes over to an arbitration, your contract and the agreement of the parties really is what controls. That's what provides the jurisdiction for the arbitrator to make their decisions and to resolve the dispute. And so the parties, when you're, when you're contracting, have 
a lot of control over what an arbitration is going to look like and how it's going to proceed. And I think one of the things I would advise my clients is often as you're negotiating a deal, you hammer out all the, the, the points that are seemingly most important to you um, at the inception. And oftentimes people treat the dispute resolution clause as sort of the throwaway or the last minute, and it isn't given a lot of thought. And I would encourage in-house business people and in-house counsel to think about different types of contracts they enter into and what sort of disputes arise and what would be for for that type of dispute in their mind, the, the best type of dispute resolution and have a standard clause that they're comfortable with or get advice from one of their, their counsel to have that standard clause so that they can try and get agreement to that upfront during the, the process of negotiating their contracts. Because it's much more difficult to get agreement from the other side after a dispute has arisen. So if you've, if, if you've taken a, a dispute resolution clause from somewhere else and haven't tailored it to your situation, and so it calls for a, a three arbitrator panel, and it allows for wide-ranging discovery, or it incorporates California discovery statutes. Um, you're, you're, you're buying yourself a much more expensive, time-consuming arbitration than if you selected a sole arbitrator with limited depositions of two or three aside and a hearing within six months. All of those things can be specified in your clause and arbitrators will follow what the parties have agreed to. Now, the parties by agreement can always amend it. So anything that you and the, the, the parties both agree to you know, down the road once the arbitration started, the arbitrators are almost certainly going to implement in terms of process. But getting agreement after the fact is hard because one side may perceive there's an advantage in forcing the other side to spend the additional money. I strongly urge business people and, and in-house counsel to think about, you know, what do they need? Are our disputes the type that really we could have resolved by a single arbitrator? Do we want a dollar threshold where disputes over $5 million need three arbitrators or over a million dollars need three arbitrators, but ones under that don't? Do we want to mediate before going to arbitration, you see a lot of step clauses which call for mediation and then arbitration. And that can have a great advantage of, or, or even executive negotiations followed by mediation, followed by arbitration. And that can have the advantage of allowing the opportunity for the parties to reach a resolution without spending the additional money of, of going to a hearing in an arbitration. But you know, sometimes in certain industries, disputes aren't necessarily fully formed at the very beginning. And so you may be better off inserting a provision that before proceeding to a hearing on the merits, the, the, the parties will engage in a mediation after they've had the chance to really understand their positions, the other side's positions. You can also do things that are very creative, like calling for just referring disputes to a single neutral over the course of a project for a non-binding advisory opinion in you know, a week to allow things disputes that crop up during a project to be resolved quickly. So, so there's a lot of flexibility, none of which you have in court, but the way to be able to capture the value and the flexibility of the ADR is to really give it some thought when you're negotiating your contract. Well, that's great to hear. I believe that a lot of people are reluctant to 
use ADR just because of a lack of volume. So for them to hear from you about the benefits and how to navigate the system is really going to be helpful. I think one other point that might be helpful for our listeners to keep in mind is that with the current pandemic, many of the courts have been closed. And so arbitration and and mediation and other alternative dispute forms really may be the best way to get things resolved over the next year. We've certainly seen a huge uptick in arbitration and mediation at jams. And I know there's been a lot of concern, and frankly, at the beginning of the pandemic, as you know, global head of litigation for ACOM, I shared that concern about how could arbitrations, mediations be conducted virtually. One of the really interesting things from my perspective is I think that the, the practice has really adapted. Um, in my experience, there are, there are pluses and minuses to the virtual rather than the in-person mediations and arbitration hearings. But you know, at JAMS, for example, since March, we've conducted more than 4,000 virtual hearings. And so I would be completely confident in going ahead with alternative dispute resolution virtually in the current climate and as long as this pandemic lasts. And I also think that when the pandemic eases and it's easier to have in-person hearings, my guess is many of the procedural hearings and sort of pre-mediation conference calls, I think you'll see more of those being conducted virtually on Zoom even after this is over, because there's additional efficiencies that people are finding through the virtual process. Well, I agree with you on that, that I think we're going to see a shift within the industry for sure. Thank you, Laura, so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your input and your perspective and experience, and I'm sure the audience will too. Hopefully in a year, we can meet in real life and share a different, a different view of the industry as it's evolved. Absolutely. I I hope so too. And and one additional thought is that in March, I think there was a lot of trepidation about dispute resolution in the virtual world. But as people started doing virtual hearings, it got more comfortable. And as it's become apparent that virtual hearings can be conducted as efficiently as they have been with, you know, jams, for example, having the 4,000 virtual hearings since March, the combination of increasing comfort on the part of the practitioners and and the clients and the reality that, you know, many of the courts are going to be closed or clogged for months to come is really driving companies to realize that, that ADR virtually is their best option. Absolutely. And I do think that the idea of there being certainty certainly helps fuel business initiatives which is part of the reason why being able to expedite agreements, settlements, um, any type of litigation or matters helps because you gain a certain amount of just balance sheet certainty in the organization and an investor or shareholder certainty as well. Exactly. I think that for companies, the idea of being on hold for months or, or a year, 18 months, as the courts are unable to resolve disputes, creates a lot of, of difficulty and pressure. I think that, uh, as you indicated, balance sheet uncertainty, the uncertainty about whether they can move forward with a project, 
um, whether they're going to you know, have the rights to, to do certain things. The timing for companies is often very critical, and ADR is offering them the ability to get certainty right now and, and get things off their balance sheets, off their books, get an issue, pass them so they can move on to the next project to know that they can proceed with the, their current business plan and achieve their business objectives. And with, without that certainty, it, as, as the courts are so impacted, it leaves businesses in desperate need of something like ADR. Absolutely. So I think we've covered a lot of great bases today, and I really appreciate you taking the time. And again, hopefully we will connect again next year. Thanks so much for having me. 